Shalom. Well, I can hardly wait to tell you the news this week. I had a hunch, and it looks like things are working out well, but I mustn't rush ahead. First, a quick recap. A few weeks ago, I returned to Bethlehem after many years out of the country. I went away full, but I came back empty. No husband, no sons. My only companion was Ruth from Moab, my widowed daughter-in-law. To be honest, I'd wondered how long she would stick with me. I mean, I had little to offer her. I still had the land our family had been allocated in the promised land, but because we'd been away so long, it had no harvest. The only way to put food on the table was because Ruth went out day after day picking up leftover scraps of barley from someone else's fields. That's no life for a young girl, and I expected her to have second thoughts about coming back from Moab with me. Or at least, go in search of a new husband. After all, I was never going to be able to provide another son, so that she could continue the family line. But no, every day without fail, except the Sabbath of course, she rose early and went out to glean. Always to the same fields those of our relative Boaz. He had shown kindness to her, and I was grateful that she was in a safe place. Well, as time went on, the faithfulness of Ruth and the continued kindness of Boaz got me thinking. I remembered the old custom written in our people's laws. When a family falls onto hard times, a near relative can step in to rescue them a kinsman redeemer. But these are old rules, and not many people take notice of them these days. It's every man for himself. That's the usual rule. And yet, I couldn't help but wonder if Boaz was different. He already respected the law allowing the poor to pick up spare barley from his fields, and the kindness he had shown Ruth went even further. What if he would step in as Ruth's husband to continue our family line? It was ridiculous, of course. I mean, he was a wealthy farmer and so much older than Ruth. And she was a foreigner. Surely a devout Israelite would not contemplate such a thing. Except the idea would not go away. Was it God who prompted me? I don't know, but I realised Boaz was too much of a gentleman to make the first move. So I decided to take the initiative. After all, he might be assuming Ruth would not want someone so much older. I hatched a plan that would make it clear to Boaz that Ruth and I would respond favourably if he were to be our kinsman redeemer. It was a bold move, and it would have put Ruth in a very difficult position if he rejected her. But she was willing to follow my instructions and go to him at the threshing floor at night. Laying at his feet, she waited to see what he would do when he noticed her. Well, he woke when it was still dark, and was shocked to find a woman there. She told him who she was, and then said, Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. I imagine she then held her breath, 
fearful of how he might react. He was over the moon. It was now evident she would welcome his protection and that was all the prompt he needed to take action. He gifted her six measures of barley to bring home, a sure sign of his approval. But the story is not done. Apparently, he says there is another kinsman redeemer who is a closer relative and has prior claim. I know a little of men and I am sure he will not rest until the matter is settled. So, I hope to tell you what happens next time. I wonder what springs to mind when we think of the word restore or restoration. What about the period of history, the restoration, when, Charles, when King Charles II returned from exile in Europe? Or we might think of paintings that over time fade and crack and they no longer look like they once did and teams of experts come in to restore them to what they once were. In recent years, there's been a huge operation of conservation on Rembrandt's famous painting, The Night Watch. The goal of Operation Night Watch was the long-term preservation of the painting. We might think of buildings and architecture. Philippa Stockley has written a book called Restoration Stories, which tells the story of 16 houses, mostly London Georgian, rescued from oblivion and restored to a new beauty. And that probably meant fixing broken floorboards, replastering and decorating. We might also think of the restoration of our physical bodies, perhaps after breaking a bone or after an illness that has weakened us. We need to be restored back to full health. A dictionary definition of restoration is to bring back or re-establish. It suggests something has been broken or damaged and it needs to be made whole again, brought back to its original state. And this is what we see beginning to happen in chapter three of Ruth. In our reading, Naomi reminded us that she and Ruth have returned to Bethlehem, an unfamiliar place, a mist amidst desolation. They've both been widowed and understandably they're feeling pretty downcast and alone. And in this chapter we see them beginning to be restored thanks to Boaz and his kindness which is a perfect picture of the kindness of God and the kindness he shows us when he seeks to restore us. God not only restores their lives in a physical and tangible sense but he restores their hope. When Naomi returns to Bethlehem, she is bitter. We can imagine her in a state of total despair and hopelessness. But God restores their fortunes through Boaz and he returns hope to a seemingly hopeless situation. We heard about Naomi's plan to get Ruth to show Boaz that she would respond favourably to him as a kinsman redeemer. Naomi tells Ruth to go and lie down at Boaz's feet after he's finished eating and drinking. It was quite a risky plan. It put both Ruth and Naomi's reputations at risk. But something told Naomi that Boaz was an honourable man. She knew he was part of a family and her instinct told her that he wouldn't throw her out.
When Boaz wakes up to find Ruth at his feet in chapter three and verse nine, Ruth says to Boaz, spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a kinsman redeemer of our family. There was a tradition of families taking care of each other so that widows were protected. This kinsman redeemer was usually the nearest relative and he was charged with the duty of restoring or recovering the rights of another. One of the responsibilities was to marry a childless widow. It turns out that Naomi's instinct was correct and Boaz responds beautifully. In verses 10 and 11, we read Boaz's response. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do all that you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Boaz is more than willing to take up this role of kinsman redeemer. He does recognise, as we heard, a closer relative, but he says that if that person is not willing, then Boaz will do it. He understands his duty, but he also seems honoured that Ruth is content to marry him rather than a younger man. I think this chapter is arguably the climax of Naomi and Ruth's story. It's the point at which they see their lives turn a corner, beginning to not only resemble what they were before, but something far greater than this. God is restoring their fortunes and then blessing them abundantly beyond this. They're in a land now where there is no longer famine and they are well provided for. Boaz's readiness to be Ruth's kinsman redeemer is a perfect picture of our kinsman redeemer, Jesus. God, in his kindness, restores us and he longs to make us whole again. We see this numerous times in the Bible. We read stories of God's restorative power, how he restores the fortunes of individuals such as Job and indeed whole nations like Israel. God brings the Israelites out of Egypt and out from a life of slavery. And eventually he brings them to the promised land. In Exodus chapter six, we see God's promise to the Israelites. He says, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. This is a promise of rescue and restoration from Egypt. And we see later that this was powerfully fulfilled. God didn't make an empty promise of restoration. He joyfully and abundantly fulfills this promise and the whole nation of Israel was restored. Not only does God restore the fortunes that once were, 
he also goes beyond this. In Job chapter 42 and verse 10, it says, And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Job has everything taken away from him, his family, his wealth, his possessions. And following that time of trials and testing, God restores his fortunes beyond what they were originally. Once we feel restored and made whole again, God wants to go deeper with, wants us to go deeper with him, to journey through life seeking his will and his purposes in our lives. But as with paintings that need restoring, God takes care of us gently. It's not a harsh, rushed, rushed process. He deals with us kindly and with tenderness. The psalmists often praise God for his loving kindness. Kindness is an inherent characteristic of God. It forms part of the fruit of the spirit. And in Paul's letter to Titus, he describes the kindness and love of God our Saviour, that this kindness appears when he saved us, not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Just as God promised and delivered restoration to Israel, we too have this wonderful, powerful promise a full restoration and renewal by the grace of Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10, it says, After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you. What a great promise that is. That we have from God. And in the meantime, we'll be coming to God in a few different ways. After the past year, we'll all be at different points in our journey with God. Some people will have thrived during the past year. They're feeling energised and close to God. Others will have experienced great loss and are returning from places of grief and isolation. But God invites us all to a place of refuge where we can reconnect, like Becky was talking about last week, and to join him on a journey to wholeness and to full restoration. He invites us to journey beyond where we were before. God wants to lead us to a deeper knowledge of himself, a deeper understanding of his love, his character and his kindness. And he invites us to this place now. He invites us to put our trust in the power of his spirit to restore us. This year, I felt like I've particularly um, reconnected through my Bible reading. Since the beginning of um, 2021, I've been working my way through the Bible in One Year series by um, Nikki and Pippa Gumbel. And one of the things that has really struck me 
is how much of the Old Testament points directly towards Jesus. There are three daily readings from the Psalms or Proverbs, then one from the New Testament and one from the Old Testament. And on most of the occasions, the New and Old Testament passages have been so clearly linked, almost as if it had been planned that way. And the passage from Ruth that we've seen read today is a perfect example of this. We've seen Boaz as Ruth's kinsman redeemer, a very Christ-like figure. And what's incredible is that this story doesn't end at the end of the Bible, because we too are part of that story. We are part of God's restoration and reconciliation now. In Psalm 23, the psalmist says that God leads us by still waters, through green pastures, and he restores our soul. Let's allow God to lead us to those places and to restore us today. For Ruth and indeed Naomi, restoration meant coming from a desperate, lonely place to a place of companionship. There was the insecurity of not knowing where the next meal was going to come from. And then they came into God's abundant provision. For us today, restoration comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's about knowing the fullness of life that Jesus promised when he said, I have come to give them life and life to the full. We can know that joy of living close to Jesus, of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of us may never feel fully restored on earth in our earthly lives, but we do have a hope that ultimately we're heading towards full restoration with Jesus in heaven. Our eternal lives will be fully healed and fully restored. And this is something we'll remember today as we share in communion, as we break bread and drink wine. As we share in communion, we remember that it's through Christ's death and resurrection that we are restored and reconciled to Christ. And that Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. Through the blood that he shed on the cross, through his body that was broken for us, he bought our freedom from sin and has restored our relationship with the Father.